Good morning and happy International Student Sabbath. What a joy it is to meet an international congregation. We travel to many parts of the world, uh, but usually it's, uh, it's a country or multiple countries, but very seldom we come to a room where it is filled with people of all nationalities. It is a glimpse of what, hap- what heaven is going to be like. A place where individuals come from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south to make up the kingdoms of God. And that kingdom will soon arrive by the grace of God. There, was a, there were two uh, Adventist men arguing um, as to what language they should learn before going to heaven. One they said, um, you have to learn Adamic language. What is Adamic language? The language spoken by Adam. That's the language he named all the animals. But where do you learn Adamic language? It was spoken until the time of the Tower of Babel. Well, the other one said, maybe we should learn Hebrew because that's the language. Uh, God used to thunder down the, the Ten Commandments to Moses. There was a language he communicated with Abraham and Moses. And the other guy said, well, but Jesus, when he came on earth, he, he spoke Aramaic. And Jesus is going to be in heaven. You better learn Aramaic. And the other guy said, no, 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 no. English is the lingua franca of the church. And it's the lingua franca of the world. Learn English and you'll be fine. And uh, then the other guy said, no, French. French is language because French is a language of love. And heaven is a place of love. And certainly French will be spoken there. So they could not resolve the argument. So they asked a special permission from Angel Gabriel to see God in the morning. Permission granted. So they were so excited. So they went to the New Jerusalem, to the throne of God, and they were waiting there. And uh, when they were ushered into the throne room, uh, God was doing something behind his desk. And so these two individuals said, Good morning, God! And God turned around. And they said, Buenos dias! I want to tell you, heaven will be full of surprises. (laughs) To those of you who do not know what Buenos Dias is, it is good morning in Spanish. Spanish is now becoming the second language of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, after the English language. And here in Andrews University, we have 600 foreign students coming from 90 countries comprising of 20% of the student body. It's incredible. And most of them, I suppose, come from Global South. Global South and Global North are technical terms. Global North uh, is an area occupied by North America, Europe, and Global South will be comprising of three continents, and that is uh, uh, Latin America, Africa, and the Asia Asia continent. So, uh, 
As far as demographics is concerned, uh, it is changing very rapidly. Today, the World Church has about 18 million Southern Adventists in 216 countries. 1.1 million people are baptized every year, or 3,000 per day. And we just praise God for that. We have 168 hospitals, 106 colleges and universities, 63 publishing houses, and the list goes on. This is a graph I want you to see. Can you see uh, the graph comparing the statistics? Uh, one in 1960 and 50 years later in 2014. And in the year 1960, you see the membership in Global North, Global North being 66, uh, 46%. And uh, 50 plus years later, membership has shrunk to about 8% of world membership. And if you look at the uh, Global South, uh, 50 years ago, it comprised of 54% of world membership and today it's 92. What does that tell you? The center of gravity of Adventism has moved south from what it was in the north. So there is phenomenal growth in the south. And even as we speak, lay people are working and that's the key of their success. Lay people are enthusiastic for mission of God. They are not being pushed by the pastor, but they have a culture of involvement in the church. It is our responsibility to hasten the coming of God, and we must do our part. Here in Andrews University, there is a tremendous amount of uh, national and ethnic diversity. There's no question about it. Uh, different colors, different languages, spoken, and so on and so forth. You have uh, all these countries represented, Korean being the largest group, 107 con- uh, students, uh, followed by Brazil, 46 uh, students, and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, we sing the song, brown and yellow, black and white. And you belong to the color scheme of brown and yellow, black and white. Welcome to worship this morning. If you belong to any color scheme in between brown and yellow, black and white, you are welcome too. <laughs> you know, when different nationalities come together, you cannot help but, but notice the differences in the eyes. Right? Some have round eyes, some have oval eyes, almond-shaped eye, walnut eye, triangular, droopy eyes, slanted, and invisible eye. You know what invisible eyes? <laughs> Invisible eyes happen when you, sm- when you smile, the eyes disappear. <laughs> Asian eyes, 14 kinds of Asian eyes. Can you believe that? And every kind of Asian eye requires a different makeup. <laughs> My, when we arrived in Andrews University, my son was six years old. One day we overheard him talking to his friends, to his neighbors. He said, you know, my family, my father is a Chinese. My mother is a Japanese. And therefore, when I was born, I was born like this. He knew as young as he was there were national and ethnic differences among people. And he characterized the difference between Japanese and Chinese eyes, even though my wife is not from Japan. (laughs) Look at hair, hair. 
different kinds of hair in this, on this campus. <laughs> you know what's my favorite hair? My favorite hair are the African hair. The African hair, by far the best in the world. Why? Because they are waterproof, foolproof, windproof, mass-proof, and hurricane-proof. And on this campus, you have a gastronomical delight. Absolutely a delight, if you like food, that is. And who doesn't? Different nationalities enjoy different kinds of food, ethnic food. The Brazilians swear by their rice and beans. Isn't that right? We have a group of, we have a group of uh, Brazilian missionaries now living in Mana, and they're suffering. Why? No rice, no beans. <laughs> the Nigerians will swear by the fufu. Fufu. Even if you have not eaten fufu, you have not eaten, even though your stomach is full. <laughs> That's the way it is. Indians, they, re they rejoice with uh, uh, rice and curry. Masala dose. Happens to be my favorite. Because we grew up with the Indians. You know, Indonesians, and so on and so forth. Uh, and of course, uh, not forgetting Koreans. Uh, kimchi. You know, Koreans are so powerful because of kimchi power. <laughs> we are drive our power from kimchi. That's why it's indispensable item in the diet. Linguistic diversity, I mean. Uh, where, where do we start? But English, by far, is the number one internet language. So it has become the, the world's uh, lingua franca. No question about it. But we speak different kinds of uh, English, unfortunately. <laughs> and sometimes we have a hard time understanding each other. That is okay. That is okay. For example, the English I speak is called Singlish. Singapore English. That's how it sounds. You know, I want to play a clip of the German uh, Coast Guard. Das hier ist mein Sektor. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät des Küstenwächter. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. Mayday, Mayday. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you... Okay, over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. We are sinking. We're sinking. What are you thinking about? foreigners, English is impossible. In many languages, there is no such thing as past tense. Everything is present tense. Isn't that right? Present, past, future, everything is present. Why make life more difficult than it should be? In English, you have, you have the present tense, you have the present tense, you have the past tense, you have the present perfect, past perfect, future perfect. So English language is anything but perfect. <laughs> if a singular of geese is goose, 
Why is the singular Portuguese not Portuguese? <laughs> if the plural, plural of mouse is mice, why is the plural of spy, uh, spouse not spice? <laughs> the plural of box is boxes. How come the plural of ox is not oxes? <laughs> if a person who plays the piano is called a pianist, why is the person who drives a race car not called a racist? <laughs> if people from Poland are called Poles, why aren't people from Holland called Holes? <laughs> if olive oil comes from olives, where does baby oil come from? <laughs> if a vegetarian eats vegetable, what does a humanitarian eat? <laughs> I mean, it's impossible language. Some, some of us got problem differentiating between jello and yellow, chair and share, sip and zip, wine and vine. And uh, some people in Asia, for example, mixed up R and L. They are interchangeable. And some cannot pronounce R and some cannot pronounce L. For example, some nationalities cannot pronounce L. So Lucy becomes Rusi. And uh, I love you becomes I rob you. I rob you or I rob you. English becomes English. In fact, there's a website just for that. English.com. And some people, some other nationalities cannot pronounce R. There's no R in the vocabulary. So Rolex becomes Lolex. I wear Lolex watch and Leebuck shoes. <laughs> Roy Lion becomes Loy Lion. Fried rice becomes Fly Lies. <laughs> and uh, one lady in our church, they said, I lady, lady love you. <laughs> there was one, one man who had a Greek neighbor, and Greek neighbor asked him, what day is today? Today? Today is fly day. Fly day? Where are you flying to? <laughs> and the following Friday, the Greek neighbor asked him, gentlemen, my dear neighbor, what day is today? Today? Today is fly day. And after this went on for a few times, this man got disgusted. He said, I'm going to show my Greek neighbor that I could pronounce R. Okay? Every night he practiced in front of the mirror. R, R, Friday, 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 until he perfected the word. Friday. So he was ready the following Friday. So the Greek neighbor asked him, My good neighbor, what day is today? Today, today is Friday. You stupid Greek. <laughs> Diversity can be fun, but it can be challenging too. Because diversity creates misunderstanding. So I'm going to give you a quiz, okay? Number one, all Hispanics are illegal aliens. I'm not going to tell you who says that. It's a common notion. So what is it? It is a stereotyping. What kind of stereotyping? Ethnic stereotyping. And it's so commonly done around the world, probably in this campus. Number two, all Korean males are chauvinist pigs. What kind of stereotyping? National stereotyping. Have you heard of that one? Of course. Number three, why is it that 
men are thick-headed and women always emotional. What kind of stereotyping is that? Gender stereotyping. You got it. For example, there are other stereotyping. Women are always moody. Who says that? Women actually, someone say, this is another stereotyping. Women actually use only 5% of what is in their purse. Everything else is junk. Mental anxiety, mental breakdown, mental hospital, meningitis, menace, menopause, uh, menstruation. All these are men's problems. <laughs> A man has six items in his bathroom. Toothbrush, toothpaste, shaving cream, razor, a bar of soap, and a towel. An average number of items in a typical women's bathroom is 337. A man will not be able to identify more than 20 of these items. Another stereotype, all teenagers rebels. Who says that? It's against stereotyping, but we hear that all the time. Children cannot, cannot eat vegetables. Who says that? Richard tells us that it takes eight attempts to persuade a child to eat vegetable. So where are we giving up? Stereotypes are to be overcome and not to be believed. Number four, why is the East Coast of the United States dominated by the theological conservatives and the West Coast by the liberals? What kind of uh, stereotyping is that? Theological stereotyping. And that's wrong. Why should we, why should we place a label on every, every individual or any group of individuals? Why? Is that, is that really necessary? So what is the common characteristic of all these questions? They're all stereotypes. So what is stereotyping? Stereotype is an overgeneralized belief about a particular group of people. In fact, it is so overgeneralized, it is oversimplified that it has become a prejudice. It is exaggeration. It is oversimplification. So it is tantamount to a laboring. It is tantamount to a profiling or pigeonholing. Whatever name you call it, it is stereotyping. So who is guilty of stereotyping? Everyone except me. <laughs> you see the problem? You see the problem? I'm not the problem. Everyone else is. So don't look at me. Don't blame me. Every one of us is guilty of stereotyping. Not verbally necessarily, but in the mind. You look at the individual. You conjure up certain image of that individual because he belongs to a certain profession or belongs to a certain ethnic group or because he belongs to a certain uh, uh, hobby group that he belongs. And so, stereotyping the New Testament, we have it in the New Testament. Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. That's how they label people. So during the time of Christ, uh, Jesus was, had also become uh, a victim of stereotyping. What was the stereotype that Jesus encountered? He was to come and deliver Israel from, the, uh, from Roman domination. Right? And when he did not fit the, the pattern, and so they rejected him. Because Jesus came from the wrong place. He said the wrong things. 
and he did the wrong things and he mixed with the wrong people. And so, it is, it is common for us to pick, put people in boxes, different kinds of boxes, according to their profession, according to their occupation, according to their religion, politics, and education and lifestyle. And in, during the time of the Jews, they did the same thing. The Jews prided themselves uh, of uh, being the thorough breeds. And then the, you have the blemished Jews and the bottom of the uh, uh, ladder uh, were the bastards, were the eunuchs, Gentiles, and Samaritans. You know. And uh, Gentiles were regarded as wild dogs that polluted racial uh, purity, you know, and so on. We can talk a lot about uh, Samaritans. Uh, To the Jews, Samaritans were worse, even worse than pagans, because pagan uh, knew at least better, and so on and so forth. But Jesus was there to demolish stereotype. So he encountered with a woman at a well. And the woman said, why is it that you, as a Jew, struck up a conversation with me? Jesus was there to undo what the, society, what the uh, label society had put on him. And uh, another incident is the Samaritan, I mean the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus was trying to overcome the stereotype that Samaritans were good for nothing. In fact, Jesus tied two unthinkable words together. Good and Samaritans. So when they put the two words together, what did they become? They became oxymorons. You have all kinds of examples of oxymorons. Genuine imitation. And so on and so forth. And the last one, I have you on the list, Microsoft Works. Oxymoron. So in one short parable, Jesus demolishes the stereotypes of neighbor and enemy, insider and outsider. Jesus loves indiscriminately and inclusively. In fact, Jesus responds to persons, not social boxes. And I like the verse from... uh, from Romans chapter 15, verse 7, which is our uh, scripture reading this morning. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. This is the King James, New King James uh, translation. I like the NIV translation better. The NIV says, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. What a statement! In order to understand that statement, you have to understand the background of the church in Rome. There were tremendous differences among church members in the little church in Rome. Some of the people there were from Jewish backgrounds. And they could have traced their genealogy. Fifty generations. They were grounded in scripture. They were taught the moral law. They had walked as aliens in a society dominated by Greek and Roman culture. They never felt at home, but they were there. And suddenly, they were thrusted into a local church together with the Gentiles. Imagine the feeling. They were united in the local congregation with the very people who wouldn't have acknowledged their existence socially, who disagreed with them politically. And suddenly, they were all church members together. And here was Paul trying to tell them 
something. Accept one another and do it because Christ has accepted you. On that basis, you should accept each other. Salvation isn't so much as us accepting Christ. Salvation is when Christ accepts us. That's the gist of his message. Who were we before we were accepted by Christ? We were uncircumcised. We were nobody. We were separated. We were excluded. We were strangers of the covenants of promise, promise according to Ephesians chapter 2. But Christ accepted us joyfully, impartially, and unconditionally. The last one being the most important because sometimes when we love each other, we love each other conditionally. Just like the wife saying to the husband or the husband saying to the wife, whichever it is, the husband saying to the wife, I love you if you stop nagging. Wife to the husband, I love you if you are more tender to me. Or the parents saying to the child, I love you if you get good grades. What kind of love is that? That is not love. Unconditional love that prompted Jesus to accept this woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And that unconditional love motivated her to repent. And she became one of the heroes of the Bible. A Christian community is based not on our background, not on our social preferences, not on our religions, not on our ethnicity, but it's based on our having been accepted by Jesus Christ. That's what a communi- Christian community like Andrews University is all about. That's what we are, a Christian community. Despite our differences, we accept each other on the basis that Christ has already accepted us. The gospel of Jesus Christ becomes the bond that unites our diverse groups who otherwise never would have migrated toward each other. And that's the genius of the Christian community. And, and uh, at the end of that verse, Paul says, Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. When we receive each other, we give God the glory. Imagine a visitor coming to Andrews University and he said, my, what, what kind of a place is this? People coming from over 90 countries, congregating in one small campus, 600 strong. Why are they doing this? And look at the way they behave. Look at the way they welcome each other. Look at the way they treat each other. Look at the way they have accepted each other. What kind of a place is this? And we can, together with Paul, say, Glory be to God, because we have accepted each other on the basis of Christ's acceptance of us. Accepting one another is promotive of the glory of God. And we just praise God for that. We are so different in many ways. Some of us are rich, some are poor, some have tremendous family pedigrees, some don't have. Some have been Seventh-day Adventists since Methuselah, and some were just baptized last month. <laughs> Isn't that right? And here, we are in the same church, worshipping together. Different level of maturity. How are we supposed to get along? On the basis of Christ uniting us, because Christ has accepted us. Oh, I will not tell you about General Conference session. Oh, I will tell you about this story. At the General Conference... We have uh, uh, one day a lady came to worship and she was dressed like this in a Muslim bakar. And uh, very few people approached her. 
In fact, very few, very few people talk to her. And she said, most people avoided me because of my appearance. Because my appearance carries an overtone. An overtone. What is that woman here doing here at the General Conference office? People are wondering, did, he, did she get uh, security clearance from the front desk? Is she carrying a backpack? Who in the world she is? What is she doing here? What is she up to? It was really a disguise from one of our leaders, our associate secretaries, Karen Porter. <laughs> she used to work in the Middle East. And she, she tested us, and many of us failed the test because we will not dare to approach her. You see what stereotype, stereotyping had done to us? Unfortunately, my thing is gone. <laughs> oh, okay. Now we're back to business. We're back to business. You see what stereotyping has done to me now? Um, where was I? And, uh, and last week, last week we had another mission pageant. We call it mission pageant. Just like what you did this morning with different people with different national costumes marching in. And this time, two ladies with the Muslim bakar. One was Karen Porter. The other one was a lady working in family ministry department. Uh, uh, Elaine Oliver the associate director of a family ministry. Both of them posing uh, behind the picture, in front of the picture of uh, the, the painting of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And quite glorious picture. This is what we should be, accepting them if they were really Muslims in the kingdom of God because Christ had died for them too. Christ had already accepted them. When we were Bangladesh, many pastors refused to be trained to evangelize uh, Muslims. Why? The leaders asked them. Well, because a good Muslim, Muslim is a dead Muslim. You see, the greatest obstacle to mission is us. You know that? It's us. Because of our prejudices against different people groups. I was in Australia and this was the sign I saw. You see, love, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. As we were waiting for a worship service, I saw, I saw a group of people, and I've never seen such people coming to worship. Why? They had tattoos all over their arms. They belonged to the Harvey Davidson motorcycle gang. Gold chain funny-looking pants. But they were there. They were there. They were there worshipping with us. Some of them were puffing away before entering the sanctuary. And uh, when they entered the church, the leader got permission from the pastor to, to stand up and speak. He said, ladies and gentlemen, we have been to many churches. We have been to the Catholic church. We have been to the Methodist church. We have been to the Baptist church. But nowhere we were more welcome than the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They had been there before with their funny outfit, with their unique smell, with their unique look. They were accepted by the church. 
In fact, not only they were accepted by that church, there were unwed mothers there in that church. There were street walkers there in that church. There were delinquent children in that church. And that church was an inclusive church. They opened their arms and accepted them all. What a church that has fully demonstrated what Paul was trying to tell us. Accept each other on the basis of Christ accepting us. Today, we are different. No question we are different. And yet, we are the same because of the same heritage, because of the same uh, message, because of the same mission. We are together having the same goal and mission in our church. And as we close today, I want to tell you, this world would not be lasting too long. At least that's my personal opinion. In the last few months, you look at the world, a convergence of events taking place right before our very eyes. What does that tell you? In front of PMC Church, you have the statue of Jane Andrew and his family. This is the mission of this university to catch the missionary spirit of the Andrews family. And let us not forget, we have home mission here and we also have foreign mission. Home mission, we have many, many students here who have, not known, who have not known Jesus Christ yet. What do we do? Do we depend on campus ministry? Do, do we depend on international student office? Not at all. You and I have that responsibility. We need to embrace them. We need to love them, love them into the church. What do we do about that? The mission field is right here on campus. And some of us may be called elsewhere. I want to tell you, 900 international students, sometimes when we study here for a few years, I study here for four years, and we spend four winters here. And that's four winters too many. <laughs> but some people seem to enjoy here. Why? They enjoy so much, they, they become stuck. Why? Because of the soil condition in Bering Springs. Do you know that? The soil condition is very, the soil in Bering Springs, if it's very sticky, if, it's, if you step on it too often, it gets stuck. You forget to go home. You forget to go home. You forget what the mission of the church is. You forget. So the spirit is willing, but the legs are weak. Don't forget why you are here in the first place. God has planned for you. God has planned for you. That only you can fulfill a special niche which you can fill and no one else can. And God is counting on you because Jesus is coming again. May God bless you, is my prayer.